Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the men and women that have served our country. Thank you for the freedoms that we have, the freedoms to be able to worship you, the freedoms that we have in this country. So many people around the world don't have those freedoms. So I thank you for the men and women that stood here this morning. Thank you for their families, the sacrifices that they've made so that uh, we could experience uh, the freedom that, that we have here. Lord, there's freedom in following you too, and we're so grateful and thankful that you've given us that freedom in Christ. And Lord, I pray this morning that you give us the spiritual armor of God, that you give us the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword, the spirit, and the good news shoes, Lord. Help us to take on that armor each and every week, especially as we battle against the evil one. I pray this morning that we would realize that we are victorious when we are in you. And no matter what attacks come our way, we can lean on you and your strength. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We can, we can, we can honor him again. That's, that's what I was looking for. That. We have the sound? There we go. There we go. It took us a little bit to get there, but we got it. That's a little scary, right? A little scary to face against the roaring lion. The scripture for this morning is in 1 Peter. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hands, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for anyone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffer a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This morning, the point is the devil wants to devour you like a lion. And the action step is to run to the roar. Now, it's a little scary to do that, right? When you hear that roar... When you hear the line, it's scary to run to the roar, but it's important that we run to the roar because uh, you have to understand how lions hunt. Typically, the way lions hunt is what they'll do is they'll take 10 or 12 of the female lions and they'll go in the grasslands in one direction. Then the male lion will come on the other side of the prey and he'll give that loud, large roar. And what will happen is one of two things. The prey will either freeze because it's super scary. Then all the female lions who are much better hunters, they're sleek, they're able to do, it, uh, do the hunting much better than the males, they come and attack the prey. Or the prey will hear the roar and run right towards the female lions. If they only had the courage and the wisdom to run towards the roar, then they would be able to escape being attacked, escape being devoured. And so this morning, I want to help you to be able to run towards the roar of the evil one because we stand firm in who we are in Christ. In the larger catechism, in question 120, I mean, sorry, 160, it says, what is required of those who hear the word preached? Now, some of you are not rule followers, so you don't like the word required, okay? Well, just go along with me here because this is good. It says, it is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence, preparation, and prayer. 
They examine what they hear by the scriptures. Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God. Meditate and confer of it. Hide it in their hearts and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. And that's what I want us so desperately to do, not only this morning, but each time we gather together to take the word of God, to hide it in our hearts, to apply it to our lives, to not just hear it, but meditate on it and use it. Because when we think of the devil, the evil one, Satan, we can kind of go one or two directions uh, with how we feel about Satan. One, we could just say, he, he doesn't exist. I mean, he, he doesn't exist, and if he does exist, he doesn't have much power at all. That's kind of a fairy tale thing, really. Satan, the guy with horns, is that really, is that really true? Well, as believers, we know that he, he does exist. He's the source of all kinds of pain and suffering in the world. He gives us subtle forms of temptation and, and discouragement. And we can't ignore the potential damage that he can have in our lives. He says he wants to devour our lives. But he's, he's not all-powerful. He, he is not omnipresent. He has limitations, but it's a mistake to underestimate his power because we have seen it at work in our world, haven't we? I mean, it doesn't take long to look at some of the evil things in our world, some of the discouragement that we have in our own lives, in our own families, in our own marriages, some of the things that, that we can very easily uh, attribute to the evil one. But the other side we can fall off of is just blaming everything on the evil one. That everything is a spiritual attack. Everything is spiritual warfare. Like I had one time a, a student say, Pastor Andy, I'm under so, so much spiritual warfare. I'm like, well, tell me a little bit about it, buddy. Tell me what's going on. Well, I took a test this week, and I got an F on it. I go, oh, okay, well, well, well what, what happened? Well, I didn't study, and I took the test, and I got an F. Man, I'm under attack. I told him very gently, that's not being under attack. That's not being prepared. That's not spiritual warfare. You see, there are things that we attribute to being under spiritual warfare that we give the evil one too much credit. So this morning, I want to make sure that we're prepared. That we can run to the roar because the devil wants to devour us like a lion. But I also don't want to give him uh, too much credit. See, I care a great deal about each and every one of you. Some of you, I've known you for years. Some of you I've never met before, but I care deeply about you. I want you to be able to resist the evil one. I want you to be able to stand up against his devious schemes. I want you to be able to run towards the roar. And that's why this message is so important, because we need to know who our enemy is. And if I told you a, a military commander was preparing for battle, and as he was preparing for battle, his, his assistant asked him, well, who, who are we fighting? And the commander says, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know anything about their artillery. I don't know anything about the weaponry they have. I don't know anything about uh, their tactics. I don't know. We'll just, we'll just see what happens when we get into war. I mean, that would be ridiculous, right? So us as Christians, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual war. And so we need to know who our enemy is. We've been in a series for the last few weeks called Overcomers. The first week we looked at overcoming the flesh, the system that was downloaded to us when we were born. 
the system that allows us to be drawn towards sin because our first fathers, Adam and Eve, sinned and they passed down that operating system. So we have to learn to not operate in the flesh, but to operate in the spirit. And then last week we looked at what it takes to overcome the world, that the world is constantly trying to get us to conform, right? And we feel the pressures of, tr of conforming to the world and we need to stand out from the world, being for the world, but not being of the world. And this week we're looking at the devil, how we can stand up against the devil's schemes, how we can run to the roar. The modern theologian and pastor J.D. Greer says this. He says, Satan's focal, attack, focal point of attack will be whatever part of you isn't surrendered to God and conform to his truth. This may be a sinful habit, a bad relationship you won't let go, or just an area of your life you haven't put under God's control. Wherever you close yourself off to obedience, you leave an open door for Satan. But once you put off the sin you've been holding on to, then you could put on the righteousness of Christ and be guarded against Satan's attacks. Wow. There are lots of areas that, that I can be uh, disobedient in. I don't know about you, but I can very easily be disobedient to God. I recently was at a Wild at Heart men's retreat, and they talked about the agreements that we have with the evil one. And I find myself being disobedient in this area all the time. I find myself hearing the evil one whisper things like, you're, you're a loser, Pastor. I mean, there should be more people coming to your church. And look, people are unhappy with you. And look, you can't preach the word of God well. And, and I find myself being disobedient. I find myself agreeing with those things that the evil one is whispering to me. See, I can be disobedient in those areas and many other areas. And when that happens, the evil one can grab a foothold and can take us down. See, Genesis 3, it, it talks about the evil one was a fallen angel. He wasn't satisfied with just being a creature of God's creation. No, he wanted to be God. And so he rebelled. He was cast out of heaven. He fell soon after creation. And he's been using the same tricks because they work. The tricks of saying, did, did God really say that? Did God really make you like that? Did God, God has, has left you alone. See, these tricks that, that worked with Adam and Eve, they, they work with us. So that's why it's important for us to know what the devil's schemes are and know what his limitations are because his power is limited. God's power is limitless. Satan's power is temporary. God's power is eternal. Satan's power is entirely evil and God's power is entirely good. And there's not a better person in scripture to talk about the devil's schemes, the devil's ways than Peter. That's why I chose this passage for this morning as we look through this because Peter was a home run strikeout kind of guy. I, I could be like that sometimes. I'm going to go for it all. Just go for all. Swing for the fences. And that's what Peter was like. I mean, Peter vehemently said that he would always follow after Christ. And then he denies Jesus three times after that. We first meet Peter uh, when he is uh, fishing with his brother Andrew along the Sea of Galilee and they see Jesus coming towards them and Jesus challenges them to fall after him and they leave everything and fall after him. It was, it was, run, it was an interesting thing to see them do that, to, he, to read about them do that because the Jewish historian Josephus 
who was a one-time general in Galilee in the first century, he described the temperament of the people in that area. He said that they're ever fond of innovations. Their nature is disposed to changes. They're quick-tempered, impulsive, emotional, and easily roused by an appeal to adventure. And that's exactly what Peter was like. He was a perfect picture of a man from Galilee, and he quickly became the spokesman of the disciples. He quickly was the one that was always out in front. He was always representing the disciples. He was always going forward. He was always adventurous. He was always impulsive, and we see that with his denial, too. Now, for a lot of us, if we were following Christ, we were actually walking with him physically, and we said we would never deny him, and then we did deny him, that would wreck most of us. And I'm sure for a time, for a time it, it, it really hurt Peter to think, I actually denied Christ. And he had this heart, a, a broken heart, a heart that he wanted to serve the Lord. And I think that's why this letter uh, speaks to our heart really well. Because a lot of us are broken. A lot of us have disobeyed. A lot of us, maybe we haven't verbally denied Christ, but maybe we've denied Christ with our actions. Maybe we've fallen into the devil's schemes. Maybe we're disobedient in some area. And so Peter's heart, his heart for the, for the people, really speak to our heart. And he writes this, if you look in the beginning of the letter, First uh, Peter, he's writing it to aliens and strangers that are scattered throughout the land that are followers in Christ that don't feel, really feel like they're in their home. And that could be us, right? People that have been disobedient, that have broken hearts, that have broken lives, that struggle with different things and are feeling like aliens and strangers in a world. I mean, that's us. That's believers in Christ. We're aliens and strangers. And so I believe that these scriptures about resisting the devil, about running to the roar, really fit in our lives. It resonates with us. Breaking this down verse by verse, verse, verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. We don't really like the word humble ourselves, typically. We're in a culture, in a world that says, don't humble yourself, lift yourself up, it's about you. But he says to humble yourself. In the Old Testament, God's hand was a metaphor of his power being displayed in discipline and deliverance. And so that's what Peter is pointing his, his people to do and pointing us to do is to be under God's hand of discipline. Now, I don't meet many people that like to be disciplined. I know my kids don't like to be disciplined. Your kids probably don't like to be disciplined. It's not in their top 10 list. But why do we discipline? Parents, why do we discipline? Because we love our kids, right? And we want them to learn. We want them to, to fall after the ways of God. We don't want them to just do whatever they want because then they won't learn. And sometimes, as followers of an almighty God, we need to be disciplined. But it's always done out of love because our Heavenly Father cares about us, loves us. He has His hand over us. And then that hand is a picture of deliverance. So if we were to stand against the evil one, now he, he is powerful. If we were to stand against him on our own, we would always be devoured. 
but he has a hand of deliverance over us. So when we trust in him, when we believe in him, he has his righteousness over us. He covers us. And when he covers us with his righteousness, we can run to the roar because we have his power, his strength, and it's much stronger than the evil one. We can run towards the roar because he's using us for his glory in due time. That he may lift you up in due time. He has a plan for each and every one of you as followers in Christ. And maybe you're going through a, a bumpy road following him. Maybe you're feeling the effects of spiritual warfare. He still has his hand over you. Verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When I was growing up in, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, there was a bridge uh, that led into Rye, New Hampshire, called the Sagamore Bridge. And it was about 30 feet above the Sagamore River. And every summer, uh, we would always jump off that bridge. Every week, we were jumping off that bridge. It was so fun to do. And as you're jumping off uh, 30 feet uh, up in the air, jumping in, into the freezing cold water, it was exhilarating. Some of you have, have gone skydiving. Some of you have gone bungee jumping. You have that feeling of free fall. It is exhilarating, but it's also terrifying to not have control over anything. You're just free falling. You're, just, you're, just, you're, out, of, you're out of your own control. And that's what it's like to fall after God. That's exhilarating, but it can be a little scary when you hand over your control. And this, this phrase here is talking about uh, casting all of our anxieties, all of our worries, all our control over to God. That word anxiety has an has a interesting place in my heart. I've struggled on different forms of anxiety over the past seven or eight years. I've had serious uh, panic attacks that have put me in the hospital. I've struggled with anxiety over, over the years. And what I've realized is that there's all kinds of things working there. There's, there's some things that I'm working through as a person that I, need, that I need help with, I need counseling with. There's some spiritual warfare that's happening there. It's, it's a hang-up. And I think so often in our world, when we talk about anxiety or we talk about struggles like, like depression or like anxiety, we think that it's just, you're so unspiritual if you struggle with those things. But I look throughout Scripture and I see many people that God used really struggle with anxiety. If you look at David's life and you look through all the Psalms that he wrote, you see this struggle that he has. In fact, in one of the Psalms, in Psalm 67, it says that he is in pain and that he's afflicted. I mean, think about the circumstances of, of King Paul seeking to kill him. Do you don't think he was under a little stress or a little anxiety? I think about Daniel. When he was, being, when he was confronted with these terrifying visions, it said that he fainted and laid sick for days in Daniel uh, chapter 8. That he was troubled by his spirit, that he faced that anxiety. I think about Jesus himself. Jesus didn't sin. He never sinned. But there he was in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating, and he was sweating blood. He's sweating blood because of the stress that he's under on taking on the sins uh, of the world. If, if you struggle with any type of anxiety, you need to, to run to the roar. I mean, it says to cast your anxiety on him. I mean, imagine carrying around 50-pound sandbag everywhere you went. I mean, this is the struggles that we carry around with. But the word casting in the original Greek 
means to literally throw onto Jesus. So we throw our anxieties. We throw our worries onto Jesus. We cast them, cast them onto him. We, we let them go. And so if you struggle with anxiety or depression, run towards the roar. Get help. Get godly counsel. If you need to go to, to your physician or psychiatrist to, to be on medication under their care and under their watch, do it. There's nothing ungodly about that. We've so, so often in our Christian world have isolated some of these struggles and said if you get help in that, then you're not spiritual. That, that you're not holy if you're getting help in those areas. Because it says over and over and over in Scripture to, to cast your anxieties, to give your anxieties to God. So if you're not doing that, you're obviously not obeying God's command. I see it a little differently. I think that there's all these reminders in Scripture about casting our anxieties on Him because He knows us. He knows our heart. He knows that life is hard. And so He gives us reminders over and over and over to count on Him. And it's one of the ways that the evil one distracts us. It's one of the ways that the evil one is so sneaky. He tries to use some of the things that, that we should be counting on God on to count on ourselves. And then we're isolated even further by people telling us that we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing that to deal with our struggles because that's not a holy way of dealing with them instead of running alongside each other and helping each other. I mean, the evil one's sneaky. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In Scripture, we see that he's called the adversary. He's called the devil. In, in Revelation uh, 9, he's called the Abaddon or the uh, Apollyon, which means destroyer. He wants to rip apart your life. He wants to tear you up. He wants to take you out. In fact, the word devour here is the word... Uh, Catino, which means to swallow up in the Greek. It means to swallow up. It means to take you out. It means to do whatever it takes to, to rip you apart. But we're called to run to the roar with the power of Jesus. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And that's why it's so vital for us to be in small group together. See, I think we struggle with this in the American church, and we struggle with it here at Good News Church World Golf Village. We struggle with not helping each other in the things that we're working through. We struggle with not uh, being uh, real bold with telling people that we're struggling with the things in our own lives. And we're in small group. We can't hide those things. When we come together in, in ch at church for, for an hour or, or two, it's really easy to put on the, the smiley faces and look all nice and to show everyone, yes, you have everything together. You don't have any struggles. You're not worried about anything. No anxiety. Everything's great. But when you're in small group together, it's hard to do that each and every week as you're living life together. And that's why it's vital that we're in small group together because, listen, all of us have issues. All of us have struggles. None of us are perfect. We all have things that we're working through, and we need each other. There, there's power in community we need each other so that we can encourage one another to run towards the roar. Now listen, God gave us wisdom. So if there are certain things that you are really struggling with, I'm not telling you to put yourself in bad situations just to prove that you can stand up uh, under, uh, under what Satan's attacking you on. Let me just give you, give you an example. 
When you go grocery shopping, does anybody here snack while they grocery shop? I don't grocery shop often, but when I do, I'm always snacking. I'm grabbing something off the, off the shelf. At Publix, what I like to do is get one of those uh, boxes of, of chicken wings. I'm eating those down the aisle. That's just what I do, okay? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing it. Well, there was a boy that was, sitting, that was standing in Publix, and he was standing in front of all the cookies. And the manager knew that he was going to get a box of cookies and start eating the cookies. So the manager came up to him and said, son, what are you doing? And the boy just kept staring at the cookies, and he said, I'm trying not to eat the cookies. See, he, he was on the wrong aisle. The boy had a cookie-eating problem, and he was standing in the cookie aisle. That's not an example of running towards the roar. I don't want you to leave here this morning as someone that maybe struggles with alcohol and say, well, Pastor Andy said, told me to run to the roar, so I'm going to every bar in St. Augustine. That's not what I mean. God has given you wisdom. If there are certain struggles, you know there are places that you can't be. There are situations you can't be in. That is an example of running towards the roar because God has given you wisdom to be able to stand up. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this as a church? How are we going to do this as believers? We have an evil one that wants to rip us up. Well, God's word says, submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Verses 10 and 11. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Listen, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to tell it to you straight. If you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, then you are in your sin. And your sin requires there to be a consequence. Because we are created by a holy, holy, holy God. And every single one of us is going to face death. I know we don't like to think about it, but it's 100%. We're all going to face death. And if you die in your sin, then you're going to go before a holy God, counting on your righteousness, which is not very good. And your sinfulness will have to be accounted for and you will spend eternity away from God in hell. That's why it's so vital that you put your faith and trust in Christ because I deeply care about each and every one of you and I want you to be in eternity for, I want you to be with Jesus for all eternity in the new heavens and the new earth where you get to experience all things being made new. Put your faith in Christ. It's as simple as just telling God I've done things wrong. I want to put my faith in you. I want to count on your righteousness and not on mine anymore. But if you do accept Christ, I want you to hear me very clearly. It's not going to be all sunshine and flowers and rainbows and unicorns. See, so many people in the American church that say, you're going to be in your sin, you're going to accept Christ, and then everything is going to be great from that point on. Jesus gives you peace. He gives you joy. He gives you purpose. He gives you eternal life. But there's still going to be a struggle. There's still going to be struggles. It actually says that we're going to suffer. The evil one is going to come and he's going to try to attack you and he's going to try to scratch and he's going to try to bite. And when we stand up in Christ, there's no way he can devour us, but there is a struggle. But God is going to perfect us. He's going to confirm us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to establish us. It's like the heavenly version of having a purple heart. He has created us to be warriors and warrior princesses. 
that stand up against the devil's schemes through the power of the Spirit, through the power of what he has given us. So let us take up the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in its place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on every occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. So. Listen, dear people, good news. We need to take up the armor of God. We need to put on the belt of truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we're going to count on him. That we're going to put on our breastplate of righteousness. That we're not counting on our own righteousness. We've thrown that off. We're putting on his righteousness, what he's accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. That we're going to put on the good news shoes that we're going to be ready to share the gospel, that we care about our family members and our neighbors and our coworkers so much that we're ready to share the gospel. We can't stand, even imagine the thoughts of those people being away from God for all eternity. So we're going to use our prayer and use our wisdom and use our creativity to do anything short of sin to reach people for the gospel. That we're going to take up our shield of faith. That when the evil one throws his flaming arrows at us, we just put up our shield of faith. We put up our shield of faith against his schemes against us. We put on our helmet of salvation, that we realize that our strength is in the salvation of the Lord, that when the battle is happening, we put on that salvation, we put on what he has done. And then we use the word as a weapon. This is our sword, that we get to know it. That's why we give you those studies each month, so you can dig into the scripture as you've gone through Daniel and now you're in the Jonah, you see these scriptures of God working through uh, people's lives and we get to be encouraged in our faith. We get to know our sword. It's hard to fight. It's hard to go into battle when we don't know the weapon that we're fighting with. This is the weapon that God has given us. So use uh, the weapon. Use the word of God. And pray in all circumstances. The theologian Samuel Shadwick wrote, he wrote, The one concern of the devil is to keep saints from prayer. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. And so when we're on our knees counting on the strength of the Lord, we can run to the roar because Jesus is so much stronger than the evil one. He gives us the power. He gives us the strength. I remember the story that my, my grandma told me many years ago. She said that somebody was commenting to her how she was a, a little old lady that goes to church. And she looked at she looked at the person right in their eyes and said, don't ever mistake in my Christianity as weakness. Go, Grandma. I love that. We are not weak in Christ. We are strong in Christ. He has given us dominion 
over the evil one. He has given us power. He's given us strength. Listen, on our own, we will be devoured every time. On our own, we will be dis disobedient. But when we count on the power of the word, when we count on the power of the spirit, when we count on his strength, he is so much more powerful than the evil one. We can literally stand with Jesus and say, hell no, evil one. Hell no, devil. You're not going to get me. You're not going to get my family. I stand upon your strength. I stand upon what you've done on the cross. You've given me power. You've given me might. And I'm going to count on that. See, right now, the battle that's going on, that, that's temporary. One day Jesus, and one day soon, Jesus is going to come again. And there's going to be no more spiritual warfare. Jesus is going to end it all. Brothers and sisters, we are on the winning team. We are victorious when we count on Jesus. And so when you feel those temptations happening, when you hear those whispers, don't agree with those whispers. Tell the evil one where to go. Tell the evil one that you have Christ. Tell the evil one that you're going to run towards the roar because of the way that Jesus works in your life. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that we can stand with your strength. There's a battle waging and there's going to be suffering and there's going to be wounds and there's going to be pain. And I'm so thankful for the hope that when we meet you in, in death or when you come again, that we know that all things are going to be restored, that all things are going to be renewed. But as the battle is still going on, as the battle is waging in our lives, I pray that we would count on the power of your spirit, the power of your word, that you give us the spiritual armor of God, that we'd be able to run towards the roar, that we wouldn't be frightened, we wouldn't be scared. We'd recognize that the evil one has power, but we realize that the power that we find in you is so much greater. In Jesus' name, amen.